Welcome to Five Star Weekly. Head coach and transfer rumors aplenty, but how do we line up these hypothetical starting 11s? Let's chat about it all next. Welcome to the show, Five Star Fam. I'm AJ and this is Tanner Remark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy Decatur neighborhood pub. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. To go, check out Thinking Man Tavern. Follow our Twitch for new streams and surprises on Tuesdays and Thursdays starting at 9 p.m. on twitch.tv slash ATLUTDFanTV. So guys, let's get into the latest from this week. And yes, Jose Martinez has been placed on the season-ending injury list. Unfortunate, but I think expected, at least from many of us here, uh, I think all of us here expected that, uh, yeah, it would be a little bit difficult for him to come back in time. His uh, right knee, he got surgery in March. And yeah, I mean, that timetable, however accelerated, is going to be too difficult for uh, even someone of, uh, you know, the warrior mentality of Joseph Martinez to uh, be able to come back in a one calendar year. And so I think with the craziness happening in 2020, uh, they made the, the smart move in putting Joseph Martinez on the season ending injury list. But uh, I, for one, I am here for that epic comeback that's no doubt going to happen, uh, you know, when we're in the bends, you know, if there's going to be some uh, some walk-up music, if he gets subbed in, oh my god, it's going to be one of those moments that you cannot miss. But uh, what, what do you guys think of this? Uh, does it make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's his timetable. I mean, say he was aggressive and did really well and was recovering at seven months, that'd still be, you know, end of October before he'd be getting back. And even then, it's just like, honestly, do you do you really want to risk it in a season like this and it's just like no give him the best chance at recovery and you know we've talked about that before and you know I, I thought that if you could get him back and he was fit and he was ready to go then yeah you keep him but i think you know doing it in conjunction with, with, with filling up the roster and getting yourself some more depth across the board i think it makes sense for right now and, and you're just gonna have to do the best for what you got but what you got so far is pretty decent and it sounds like it's getting stronger so yeah i'm i'm here for this let joseph be healthy and let's attack 2021 when he's ready Right. And so, yeah, great point there is that, uh, yeah, putting him on the injury list opens up a spot, a replacement player that we can put on the roster. And we'll talk about that person in a minute. But, uh, Mark, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it makes sense. I think for one, for Joseph, now he knows he can just focus on being ready for February 2021. Um, And I think that is, you know, I think that way also you get a smoother rehab than him potentially trying to come back for games at the end of this year and then, yeah with all the uncertainty you know we don't even know we don't really know how many games are going to be played i mean we have an idea of what they want to do but <clears throat> yeah just to kind of mirror what tanner said there's just so much uncertainty in 2020 i think also with uh with the requisite moves that the team have done i think they've set themselves up well i am curious to see lopez now in particular but um overall i think uh this was a sound decision yeah. And so, uh, you know, even in spite of this, uh, you know, this move, um, you know, managerial wise in terms of that, uh, in terms of players, 
Well, there was progress from Joseph Martinez, uh, and he was kicking a ball from a little bit of a distance at one of those uh, walls, and so it was great to see that uh, you know he was able to to trap the ball. He was able to kick the ball with both feet. Uh, you know, it's still I think he's way ahead of schedule. I feel like anyway, but it is one of those things where you know, great to see, but you know it doesn't really matter. Uh, in the grand scheme of it, you still want to give him the best possible rehab. Uh, and that's, yeah, giving him a full calendar year, essentially. But uh, So moving on from that, he still is busy, though. Yeah, not only with rehab, but getting some uh, paintings, a portrait done of him. Uh, he put it in his living room, and he showed it off to the world. And, yeah, it's pretty dope. Um, I mean, it's pretty gaudy a little bit as well but uh it is one of those things where yeah, <laughs> it fits I mean, it, his style it fits, it fits style. his style yeah mm. that wall is massive that portrait <laughs> is massive <laughs> it fills yeah. the entire wall pretty much and uh i love it i mean that's uh if you you know can do that where uh you know you have that scene in dodgeball where um <laughs> you know if you had a portrait of you riding a bull would you do it I mean, probably. I mean, <laughs> why not? And that's, I think, the equivalent here is, yeah, yeah, you, you got it, so why not do it? But uh, anyway, so moving on from that, that replacement player for Jose Martinez in uh, the roster for Atlanta United is the rumored Eric Kubo Torres, who uh, last played in MLS for Houston Dynamo and uh, yes, was out of contract at Tijuana, or Cholos, as they are also known. And uh, yeah, he has signed on as a season-ending injury replacement player. Now, uh, Carlos Bocanegra also was a teammate of his when he was playing at Chivas USA. Uh, Kubo uh, Torres was coming up at that time. Uh, young, hot prospect, uh, pretty much everybody wanted him. But uh, he said that Kubo is a natural goal-scoring forward who will bolster our front line, and we're pleased to add a player of his quality to the team. And so, you know, he's a guy that uh, obviously Boca knows very, very well. And uh, yeah, I mean, getting him on a free, not too bad, as well as, um, you know, someone who has experience in this league, especially during this time in the pandemic when uh, getting players pretty much of any ilk is very difficult. And so... Um, you know, what do you guys think of this move of Kubo Torres, who has, uh, to some degree, the Mexican has been maligned in some areas because of, uh, you know, his history of maybe starting off strong and then kind of tailing off. But yeah, what do you guys think? Tanner? I mean, it's, you need depth and he seems like he could do a job. I mean, yeah, he doesn't sound great, but honestly, with where there's teams at this year and what what's going on, I mean, it seems like a nothing but upside type kind of deal. You hope he does well, and if he doesn't, it's almost a free hit because, to my knowledge, I mean, the contract's only through this season. Um, is it longer, or is it only through the end of the season, right? Yeah, well, that, that's where it's um, a little bit cloudy. They haven't announced that, but, uh, you know... With because if it's just at the player. end of the season, then it's a free hit for you, really, because right. you, Joseph's off the roster, you need another striker, you, so you fill that roster spot for, for you know, basically nothing. And so, yeah, it's nothing but upside, really, because you, you need bodies that can be decent. And he could be decent. So let's hope he, he can do a job or two, but be more mobile than what you had. So, right. You know. And that's where mm -hmm. we needed somebody that could get in behind, someone that could, uh, you know, run at defenses. 
But um, yeah, and before we get to Mark, it's yeah, where he's a replacement mm -hmm. player, and so that is the thing where, um, right. you know, at least I think he takes up that roster spot in the interim. But then next year, if we do decide to keep him, then he would probably move to a different spot in the roster. So. In terms of that, if he is uh, signed for longer, it may be decided at that point. So, uh, Mark, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, and I think uh, that's a. I'm glad you said that because I think that's also part of why I think this is a sound decision. I mean, it's not an exciting move, obviously. It's really just to get you through to the end of the season. He offers you something different from John and JJ Williams, but those three guys really. Well, hopefully, he doesn't get sent off immediately. That's right. That's exactly. A different option from JJ Williams. Right, right. But also, yeah, you know, he's like the smaller, quicker type of striker, and I think those three guys, JJ Williams, Adam John, and Kubo Torres, are competing for a spot in on next year's roster. You know, with Joseph coming back healthy, Eric Lopez is obviously a long-term signing. And so I think, I, I assume the team will uh, carry three strikers. And so, you know, who's that third striker going to be? And so I think, yeah, you know, like you get a player who obviously was out of contract, most recently was in Liga. Mackey seemed like he had decent moments, but could never really hold down a spot, maybe sometimes uh, because of a coaching decision or whatever. So... Um, you get a player that's motivated, who's 27, you know, and let's just let's just see what he has. I mean, I think 2020, we've all accepted it's kind of rebuilding season. And so uh, I think him getting playing time alongside with, again, Lopez, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, but I think I think it's a fine move. Yeah, it's low cost, low risk. So it's someone that you take a flyer on and uh, hope for the best. But uh, yeah, right. apparently, uh, from Allison Manstragello at US, uh, not USB, WSB, uh, said that Taurus will arrive in Atlanta and have to go into a mandatory quarantine, have to have two negative COVID-19 tests before you can join the team in training. But uh, then he suddenly showed up at the Atlanta United training grounds, and uh, I don't really know if it, it was before, if he already went through the quarantine or not. But uh, very interesting indeed, uh, you know, if he was even supposed to be there. Who knows? But uh, I think with LA United maybe sharing that IG story of Eric Kubo Torres, uh, it probably was already done, maybe. So uh, either way, welcome Kubo Torres to LA United. Uh, now, uh, moving on from that, uh, an interesting little tidbit from uh, our past manager, Frank DeBoer, and his brother, his twin brother, Ronald DeBoer, uh, he was speaking with media uh, or on a show uh, that he, uh, I believe, is an analyst on. Uh, he said about the resignation uh, of Frank DeBoer from LA United, he said, I see a little bit of relief. He's done with it. Certain aspects that were probably not to his liking, but he only has to explain himself once. I think he has had it now. And uh, yeah, he also mentioned that, yeah, it might be good for him to maybe do something different. Uh, so very interesting words from his twin brother. But uh, yeah, any thoughts of uh, what Ronald said? It's like, hey, bro, you suck. Stop doing it. Hey, bro, retire. Like, is that really what he just... I mean, No, I, I don't know if it's direct, quite like but that. But <laughs> I, I think you guys are reading it that way. I think for me, no, I'm reading it in a sense where, yeah, he's basically saying like, yeah, you know, he should maybe take a sabbatical. Maybe, uh, you know, really start yeah. to evaluate because, you know, the last three jobs haven't gone the way he's wanted. But, uh, you know, 
he probably still is, in terms of Frank de Boer, still highly touted in uh, the Netherlands. And so, you know, it's probably still not over yeah. for him, but it is, yeah, starting to, the window is starting to get a little smaller, right? I mean, with all, with all due respect to DeBoer, I don't know if he's going to have a choice in that sabbatical. I mean, the thing that we, I think a lot of us said about him taking the Atlanta United job is that his two previous stops weren't that weren't good. And so, you know, it's like he's going to come here with a chip on his shoulder or whatever. Well, now this has not worked out. And so I think anybody, even people in the Netherlands are probably looking at looking at it objectively and going, mm, I don't know, you know, like this guy, there seem to be some tendencies here. So I think it, that probably would do him some good to take a 18, 24 months sabbatical, you know, like kind of study what the game is, kind of study how, you know, other successful managers go about doing their business and try to replicate some of that, I guess. I mean, like, I think that, you know, especially in terms of coaching, people can grow and change, you know, but I think that has to happen if he wants to have success at his next job. So. Dinner. Yeah, I would agree with him on that. I mean, DeBoer needed to come to Atlanta and win. And to a degree, I mean, he did win two trophies, and he can put that on his resume and point to those successes as, hey, I did this. And now the context, those is a bit murky when you think about it. And on the whole, the style of play in Atlanta was pretty dire from the get. Um, but yeah, Mark might have a point. If he can get a job somewhere, then he needs to make sure it's a place where he can succeed because it might be a last chance saloon for him because not doing successful like that, you know, too many times in a row you're not going to find that. So, you know, all the best to him. I hope that he does, you know, find a good career and find some success and turns everything around for him. Nothing ill against the guy. Um, but I'm at the same time very much glad that Atlanta had moved on. Yeah. I think uh, what's, I think maybe, I think cloudy here is that, yeah, he, he was a success by all kind of, um, you know, metrics of uh, winning and in terms of trophies at Atlanta United. But I think the, the, Ultimately, why he was let go, or uh, at least you know, mutually said to part ways, is because of the style that um, you know the front office wanted, and he ultimately did not deliver. And so, uh, I think that's where you know maybe it's a little cloudy, but you know, me personally, that's where I'm coming from. But <laughs> anyway, um, so in terms of that, Darren Eels uh, has talked about what he's looking for. Uh, in that new uh, head coach, and he said, we want to be winning games and winning trophies, but we also want to do it in Atlanta United style, which is attacking and on the front foot. Uh, He said, the timetable to hire a new manager, we don't have to rush it. We don't have to take who's available this minute. We've got to take our time, and we got to make sure we get the right person. He also kind of waxed lyrical a little bit as well. Uh, He said that uh, he recited a line that was in his fortune cookie uh, when he spoke to the press. He said, expect great things and great things will come. He also said, uh, Atlanta United has sights set so high that even failure will have an echo of glory. Which, yeah, I mean, to a degree is kind of what, uh, you know, Frank DeBoer did with Atlanta United last year. Uh, There's an obsession uh, with systems and formations apparently uh darren Neal said and he's commented that uh la united can get back to their attacking identity by saying uh it's not a formation it's really a state of mind so uh interesting thoughts would you from... say it's an identity <laughs> i would uh definitely say that that's an identity thing that uh yes tanner duly noted uh this february in uh, a dirty south soccer article and so yeah it is definitely one of those things where we lost 
uh, where we, you know, really came from. And, you know, yes, Tata, huge part of that. Uh, it's not just hearkening back to everything that Tata did and every tactic or every single... Yeah, we need to build on that and we need to, uh, you know, it's not just only the way we uh, we lined up. It's definitely the way we enjoyed watching our soccer. I think that's where he's coming from. And so, I mean, oh. you guys? I completely agree. I mean, because, yeah, I totally agree. Like, I do think that, one, we do obsess with, you know, setups and tactics. And so I, I do it, too. But uh, at the end of the day, like, I, I think that's something we talked about time and again is that the team was just not approaching the game on the front foot. And that's something that even the players voice. So, yeah, I... Uh, that was another point I was going to make. But, I mean, that I basically agree with the Eagles there, yeah. Yeah, Tanner. Smug face and all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we need to get back to that attacking identity that the team had under Tata. You have a certain way of playing. And I think that's really important that a club identifies because that means that you have your criteria for what you should look for in a manager. Which, again, is... Why it was interesting why the club went for DeBoer in the first place, because he never really fit that style to begin with. But, um, you know, maybe they've learned their lesson. And, and like you said, they'll take their time. And that's the most important thing is you, they don't have to rush this. So make the right decision. Talk to a number of candidates through different intermediaries and stuff. Yeah. Am I still there? Yeah, yeah I'm you're still, still here. here. Yeah. Okay. I think my program's crashing. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, just make sure you get the hire right this time. And they play attacking football. That's the most important thing. And so, yeah, Mark definitely said that in previous episodes and saying that maybe, yeah, LA United rushed that decision in uh, December of 2018. But, uh, yeah, do you have anything to, to add? Yeah, yeah the, the other point that I was going to make is that in terms of Tata, you know, he got pragmatic going into the 2018 postseason, but we still attacked. You know what I mean? Like, so... The whole idea of, oh, you know, do you sit back or how many midfielders do you play with? At the end of the day, it's about what the philosophy is or the identity. Right. Exactly. And so uh, new Atlanta United interim head coach Stephen Glass, uh, he talked about his message to the locker room. He said, my opening message to the locker room was the desire to reunite the group again. From the outside, they look disjointed which I think a lot of us mentioned uh, while watching them in the MLS's back tournament. Uh, he said, uh, and he went on to say, the group needs a slightly different man management style. Freedom needed to be given to the team. Glassy also said, this is probably the biggest club in North America. So this is my opportunity to show what I can do with a great group of players. And I think, yeah, that's a, a great mindset to have going in that, yeah, maybe they aren't looking to him as the permanent head coach role and they have said as much that they are, will move him back to the Atlanta United 2 job but uh, yeah if he can find some way to do such a good of a job that it looks like uh, you know he should maybe win it I mean that still bodes well for Atlanta United because yeah maybe we because we still have him on our contract uh, if he decides to move on or something like that you know maybe we can fetch something for him but uh, yeah, Glass's words, Glassy's words to you guys. Uh, does it, yeah, does it ring true for you guys? Yeah, I mean, he also said something about the way that we're going to line up and play. He's not going to tell, well, he's not going to tell why, how we're going to line up and play, but it's something new and different. So, I mean, it's just like, well, you got me on board. Get back to identity. Give the, give creative players the ability to be creative and play attacking soccer. Good, because it can't be anything duller than what we've seen. Mm -hmm. Mark? Yeah, thoughts? I think 
I think everything he's saying makes sense. I think it all checks out. Um, I think especially the point about giving freedom to the team, you know, I don't think it's, it's a case of he's going to lose control of the locker room by any means, but it's just maybe loosening up a bit from what Frank DeBoer was. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I wish him luck. I mean, I think also it could be an audition for a future job, maybe with Atlanta United 1. So, yeah. And so uh, moving on from that, uh, Jonathan Gonzalez uh, has been linked with us uh, for the past, I believe, like two weeks or so. But uh, apparently the Mexican international, yeah, he might have played his last match with Rayados. That's at least according to BN Sports. Uh, they said that the deal to send him to LA United is apparently only missing details to complete the transfer. And it could be resolved in the coming days, and it could be a loan with an option to buy. And, of course, that deal was also uh, reported by TUDN as a, uh, yeah, because there's a release clause between 12 and $13 million, but he could go on loan first with us and then be bought for $10 million, uh, kind of probably with that U22 uh, kind of uh, CBA rule that's coming in 2021 in mind. But, uh, and yes, there is one other club apparently that uh, might be interested in him in uh, Celta Vigo. Uh, but, you know, if he's actually coming or not, I mean, is this somebody that you guys want to see at Atlanta United? Yeah, I'd absolutely have him. I think he's better than anyone Atlanta United has right now. Um, he's a full Mexican international. I mean, he had the whole drama we talked about last week between picking between the U.S. and Mexico. But, I mean, he's played at a high level already, and he's played, I'd say, pretty consistently and decently, all things considered. So, yeah, I think he's he'd be a great signing, especially given the new rules coming in next season, which might be part of the reason why it'll be a loan first. So. Right. I mean, 21-year-old, U.S. citizen as well. So, I mean, mm -hmm. there are a lot of... No uh, international slot. Like, that saves you an international slot. So, like, Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, there's a lot of uh, positives that uh, come from it so far. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, he. I think he's the type of uh, midfielder we should be looking for. Um, and like Tanner said, he's played at a high level. He comes with a big profile. So it's, you know, obviously, hopefully he does well. And his, his age, I think, is another thing. So there's potential sell-on uh, potential. You know, I mean, like, if, if a, a legal team is looking at him now, and uh, let's say he does well in the next two or three years, there might be a market for him. So, yeah, and I think that's what a lot of uh, a lot of players are looking at uh, LA United as that kind of springboard. Not only you know, uh, you know, maybe Gonzalez, but this next person that we're talking about, and Eric Lopez, and uh, basically mm -hmm. uh, saying that uh, yeah, he was speaking with Fox Sports Argentina and he said that he believes he'll be able to make his MLS debut when the regular season resumes, uh, but he wasn't certain. But uh, he said, quote, ATL UCD 2 uh, acquired me because of roster space issues, but they'll loan me to the first team in six months. I'll go straight to the first team. At least that's what my agent and Atlanta United sporting director, Carlos Bocanegra, explained to me. So, yeah, very interesting moves indeed, uh, if that's true. Uh, yes, I think we kind of knew that, uh, you know, he was brought to LNI2 because of, uh, you know, kind of roster maneuvering anyway. But uh, the fact that he might be playing with the first team and 
given assurances. I mean, that's a great big, uh, great bit of news because, yeah, we obviously, yeah, sorely need it. We need the competition at the forward position, and yeah, he definitely provides that. But uh, do you guys think that, yeah, this is, uh, you know, gonna happen? I mean, uh, you know, obviously, sounds rules. like some 4D underwater chess. So yeah. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. I mean, I think that if you can finagle that roster-wise, I mean, that's just what a creative front office does. And he seems like a player that can contribute and will be a, you know, kind of sell-on type guy. So we'll see what happens, but I'm excited. I'm ready to just see him play, to be honest. Like, hopefully they get all this business done before they get back to playing games and they can have the group together um, for when they do that. And it'd be interesting to see. I mean, like, again, it's a, it's a write-off in, in a way. So I want to see these young, exciting players that are new. You always want the new thing. and. Right now, I want new and not boring, and I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, definitely guys that uh, are, you know, guys that uh, bring that exciting football, at least in terms of, uh, yeah, these are attacking players. And, uh, well, Jonathan Gonzalez, maybe not so much, but, yeah, definitely Kubo Torres and uh, Eric Lopez. But, yeah, Mark? So I'm glad he uh, told us what's going on. That's more transparency than we normally get from this league. But... uh, I think I think the setup in terms of the rest of the season makes sense in terms of like the forwards they brought in and and the Lopez as well. So it's like, you know, he's 18, he's going to be adjusting to a new league. So uh, he doesn't have to play every single minute, but it gives him I think it's good to encourage a young player and a new player to fight for their playing time. And so uh, I think I think it could be a good situation. I think if Steven Glass manages it well, he can get the best out of multiple players. Yeah, it'd be lovely. And uh, yeah. Uh, Lopez also talked about his admiration for his future teammate, Pete Martinez. He said, I always saw him play at River, and I think he's a tremendous player. Uh, I think, yeah, anytime you have guys that come in and, you know, already have admiration for the players that are in there, you have that respect level, you have the uh, maybe chemistry level go up as well. So I think that's always a good thing for sure. Uh, moving on from that, uh, CBS's Roger Gonzalez. He talked about some uh, a couple of head coach candidates, and uh, Gustavo Alfaro is one he talked about. Uh, where uh, Gonzalez apparently speaks uh, to Tata Martino uh, and a good bit, and uh, he talks about uh, Alfaro coming here. He's uh, talked about how uh, yeah Tata explained his time to Alfaro as well, um, and that's. You know, maybe Tata should connect Alfaro with LA United. Uh, pretty much, it's a lo- very loose link so far in terms of, uh, you know, head coach uh, candidates. But he said that, uh, you know, he's Alfaro has received interest from Chicago Fire before the season. He would love to come to MLS. He's even been practicing English, so that's good. But uh, in terms of, you know, what he might offer, let's see. I mean, it... All kind of, uh, you know, uh, I think reviews from, uh, you know, people on Alfaro is pretty much saying he's definitely a little bit more pragmatic than uh, Martino, uh, than Tata Martino. But, uh, you know, he's maybe not the guy that, um, you know, is like a Frank DeBoer. So that's good. But uh, what do you guys think, Alfaro? Uh, you know, maybe the plausibility of this, uh, this candidacy for LA United. I mean, it's like you kind of said, it's pretty loose. Um, maybe it's the guy trying to actually get himself linked to the job. I don't know. But, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot more of this in terms of more names that get brought up and more names that get linked to Atlanta United. But still, for me, and my personal one that I'd like to see right now, I think would be Gabriel Heinze. So, but, yeah, th- this 
this link, I think it's just one of another, one of what will be probably many. And if there's a lot of links, that's good for Atlanta United because clearly the job is seen as an attractive proposition around the world. So, yeah, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't say I know too much about him. I think uh, if he is pragmatic, though, there will eventually be a problem because, like, the main management is definitely one part of it. But, you know, if you're not getting results and the players are frustrated, it doesn't really matter what your style is at that point. You know, you're going to, there will be a falling out eventually. So <laughs> I think uh, just based on the style, he doesn't really seem like the coach Elaine I is looking for, but I guess you never know. You're right. And uh, so, uh, Roger Gonzalez also floated the name Ariel Holan, and uh, yeah, he uh, he started off as a field hockey coach, so yes, that needs to be noted, but uh, he also led Independiente to a uh, Copa Sudamericana, and Barco was part of that, so, you know, there is, uh, I think, something with Holan, uh, and maybe a plausibility, a kind of pedigree, which is good, but, um, yeah, Ariel Holan, I mean, somebody you feel like that, uh, you know, would be a good link, someone that uh, we should be linked to? What do you get? What do you think, guys? I mean, I think it's one of those similar situations, but having a previous relationship with the player is interesting. So, I mean, you can always sound out Barco, uh, even though he was obviously 18 at the time, 17, 18 at the time. Um, but, I mean, to have won, a, won that cup, that's, that's, you know, at least he's won something. But, again, you know, it'll take some time and i personally can't admit to having seen many of these south american managers teams play just because it's so difficult to consistently watch a lot of south american football sure. so mm-hmm. um you just have to trust that the club's looking in for the style that we keep talking about and it would be kind of odd to me for daniels to come out and say that we're going for a certain type of style and to hire a manager that doesn't fit that um so you know i've just got to hope that you know some of the names that they're linked to or the ones that they're seriously considering just fit that style right uh mark what do you think yeah i was just reading his profile a little bit uh before and uh i mean i think it's interesting that he uh used to coach field hockey he has put in the time in terms of uh coaching in soccer though you know being on certain staffs and he's he has tasted some success I, it would be interesting i guess i mean seeing like tanner i'm not gonna speak to like what you know formation he's gonna roll out or whatever but um yeah it's it's I guess we just got to get used to this rumor mill, you know. I guess we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to do our research about a lot of these coaches. Um, but what, what I will say too about field hockey, it's not that different from soccer. So I mean, like there are some principles I think that would translate. So I've never seen a field hockey different. game in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've seen a couple, but yeah. yeah. And I think it's also, I mean, if there's good man management skills already there, then okay, you know, that's uh, that, that will generally translate uh, in in most sports. Uh, depends, obviously, but um, yeah, so moving on from that, uh, yeah, in terms of uh, when the, in terms of the league will come back, it's uh, kind of cloudy for the most part, except for uh, this article in uh, uh, Washington Post saying that, yes, the first full weekend would occur August 21st through the 23rd. Uh, before that, it would be the teams that were not able to participate in the MLS's back tournament in Nashville and FC Dallas. Uh, but uh, most of the teams would be able to uh, yeah, return for apparently 18 games, according to The Athletic, uh, Yeah, that weekend of August 21st to the 23rd. Uh, very interesting indeed because, uh, yeah, we're filming this on August 5th, a Wednesday, 
that's pretty much uh, about a couple weeks plus. And so, you know, still no schedule, skill, still no other information in terms of uh, all that, but they are apparently planning to have some, uh, you know, games where the fans can be at the stadium. Now, yeah, obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic and it's only getting crazier. But uh, yeah, what do you guys think of uh, that time frame? Possible games, 18 games. I mean, yeah, all those, all those things. What are your thoughts? I mean, it takes you to what, 23 games total that counted and the three at the tournament, the two that you played beforehand and then the 18 that you play. Um, so obviously it's a shortened season regardless. Um, I mean, if you can get it done, you can. I think it's a bit interesting that, you know, some of these clubs are thinking about even having fans at these games. Um, I don't think that should happen. Um, yeah, um, I don't think that should happen. Um, I think it's a bit ambitious, but I mean, if you can get games, at least in the stadiums and if you stadiums like you saw um, in Europe, then that's a positive. You can get those games done um, and have some semblance of a season. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But if they can do that, great. <laughs> I just don't know how it will happen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, no, go ahead. I, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, in terms of even even if the games don't have fans, which like I'm completely against anybody having fans for basically the rest of the calendar year, but that's just me. Um, in terms of like these games even happening, we really can't say we've seen a successful non-bubble format work. I mean, like NWSL, MLS, NBA, NHL. I want to say all doing bubbles right and then you have mob who are trying to get through a season they've already had to postpone a bunch of games from one or two teams there's already been an outbreak on a team i mean like i don't know why that wouldn't happen to an mls team especially since two of those mls teams didn't even make it into the bubble really you know uh, you know i don't want to be the guy who consistently rains on the parade but i just I, I, if they if they do it you know if they do it successfully fine whatever but mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's difficult for me to see how that is going to occur. Yeah, no, obviously there are obstacles uh, within that path to uh, finishing a whole season. So we shall see. Uh, now, the MLS transfer window opens on August 12th. And uh, yeah, you know, the whole international marketplace is in a flux as well. So we'll see how many deals get done. But uh, yeah, obviously we already have a lot of uh, players that were rumored with and in tow. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we're getting some of our work done early, which is good. But uh, yeah, so moving on from that uh, in the MLS's back tournament. Yes, Orlando is in the semifinal versus Minnesota United. And uh, Philadelphia is uh, playing Portland uh, in that other uh, bout in the semifinal. But uh, what is 2020? I mean, besides Portland, which are, I think, a perennial powerhouse, I think any of these other teams is like... I mean, Philadelphia was good last year, but it is one of those, like, yeah. Uh, I think Minnesota was decent last year, and, and right. Philadelphia's had some decent moments. They've been okay. I think, I think Orlando's obviously on a surprise. Orlando. <laughs> um, but they beat LAFC, back. which I'm here for. I'm all here for LAFC losing, especially to Orlando. I find that personally entertaining. Um, <laughs> but because honestly, LAFC is more of like a rival in terms of club stature than Orlando is. So it's just like for the memes, it's just funny. Um, and I just don't like LAFC winning things. Like, I just don't want them to win things ever. Um, but more yeah, so I mean, than Orlando, though. Hmm. 
I mean, but this tournament no one gives a shit about. So, like, <laughs> I don't care. The first off, they're not going to win. Let's be realistic. If they do, good on them. But I'd like to see Philadelphia or Minnesota win this thing. So, but I mean, they're interested. They'll be. They should be competitive semifinals. Yeah. Mark, any thoughts on it? Yeah, I think I don't know. It just seems like Orlando's destined to at least make a run to the final. You know, it's technically it's as close to their home as anybody else's. So, um, I do have a soft spot for Philadelphia, like how they play. You know, how they bring bring players through. I think the last couple of years they've done a good job of developing like steadily. So. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be Orlando Philly. Oh, okay. So yeah, hopefully Philly wins there. Yeah, I think uh, I'd rather have any team but Orlando win. So yeah, I agree. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so moving on. That's not a surprise. But uh, yeah, moving on from that. Uh, John Gallagher uh, spoke about his uh, time at Aberdeen, the Scottish club, uh, and. Some interesting tidbits. I mean, it was on LA United's website. Uh, he talked about how Carlos Bocanegra, he visited him and took him for a meal and coffee. Uh, he talked about how uh, his relationship with LA United 2's uh, boss at the time and now our interim head coach uh, in Stephen Glass uh, was really, really good. He got calls from him constantly and, uh, yeah, pretty much he was his buddy pretty much in a very lonely time over there because obviously yeah moving over to a, a different country and then not knowing anybody i mean yeah it's always going to be a little hard and you know great to hear that glassy was the guy that uh kind of got him through that time a little bit and now he's back he in his uh very short time at the mls's back tournament showed some good fight uh you know showed a lot of energy and uh i think yeah we're all pretty excited to see what he can continue to do and uh, what that tenure at um, at Aberdeen kind of taught him and see how he can apply and it. And what position he plays. Yeah, that's really the, mm -hmm. the question because, yeah, he was playing midfield at Aberdeen. He was playing right back at United 2. He's uh, He was drafted as a forward. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. And then he played in our back line at the MLS's back tournament, I think, as a left, left center, center back. back. <laughs> What is going on with the, yeah. uh, you know, what position he's going to play? It's really going to be the question. But <laughs> but uh, anyway, so let's move on from that. Um, yeah, MLS also announced that uh, they have expanded membership of the membership of the elite youth development uh, platform. Uh, and basically uh, a bunch of elite academies and USL academies and uh, MLS academies uh, not only have banded together already, but. Uh, this new platform will consist of a ye elite year-round competition, uh, and it includes the likes of some Georgia academies uh, as Lanier Soccer Academy, Southern Soccer Academy, and Inter Atlanta FC. So great to see that uh, you know some of our uh, some of our backyards academies are getting picked up for this uh, kind of amazing opportunity uh, to really build talent uh, throughout the nation. So. Really cool. Uh, let's move on from that to LA United 2 and the new interim head coach for the twos uh, in Tony Annan, also our academy director, if you didn't know. Uh, on, he, can I say one quick thing on that last sure. bit, though, now yeah. that I just thought about it? Uh -huh. My only question is, is for those clubs that aren't part of, like, mm -hmm. like 
inter uh, inter Atlanta and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, my only question is how much the kid's going to have to pay to be a part of this now for all the travel that's going to be involved. Because yeah. if it's going to make pay to play be more expensive, then this is going to hurt you more than it's going to help you, in my opinion, because you're going to lose a lot more kids who can't afford to pay and be a part of something that involves them traveling all over the country. Right. At so, that level. Right. They will have to figure out what uh, that kind of, you know, scaling of uh, the monetary process is going to be. Because you want the best players to come through and you don't want players to get lost in the cracks just because of finances like that. That's the positive of being an MLS club. You don't worry about that. Like if you get signed by that. But if you're on one of these teams, it can be it's, difficult. That's why it's kind of interesting to see like non-professional mm -hmm. like academies in, in this whole thing. Right. It'll, it'll be a, a, a thing of, you know, basically how are they funded and how can they, uh, you know, be sustainable. So, yeah, it does put a lot of pressure and more onus on these, uh, you know, kind of smaller non-MLS uh, kind of academies and, and whatnot. So, but uh, yeah, so back to Elenio too. Uh, yeah, they won a uh, seven goal thriller. Uh, and I mean, yeah, you have guys like Jack Gurr, formerly of the Georgia Revolution. Uh, he had three assists for the night. Uh, Mackie Jopp, he had a brace. And uh, yeah, fun match to watch. But uh, they go again Wednesday night versus their old nemesis in the Charleston Battery. They unfortunately lost 3-0 last time they faced them on July 24th. But uh, I don't know if you guys watched that match. But I mean, I think great to see that the twos are uh, playing more exciting football than we are. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, nonetheless, if any team in our system is uh, is playing attacking and beautiful football, then that's great. So, um, and it seemed like, yeah, they maybe were deviating a little bit from the kind of, um, you know, style the first team was playing because, yeah, we don't really have a first team head coach anymore. So it's really however they want to play, they can play. And, uh, you know, great to see. But anyway, uh, so... That does it for the news and gets us to a little bit of housekeeping in our Twitch stream. Follow it, twitch.tv slash ATLUTD Fan TV. Uh, Tanner has been playing as LA United in the Premier League and uh, losing to Tottenham. And uh, that's. But <laughs> either way, playing in Legendary, and that's very, very difficult. If you've ever played that uh, in career mode, more power to you because, wow, it's. Uh, maddening as you will see on the really <laughs> really annoying but uh <laughs> either way go check it out twitch.tv slash atlutd fan tv but uh that moves us on to uh a little segment that uh i'm calling rosterbation and uh it's basically where <laughs> we're gonna talk about how these new pieces that are coming into atlanta united will possibly line up and possibly uh play within uh the system because yeah i mean it's pretty unknown uh in a sense these players are new a lot of people are curious so you know let's get into it uh so yeah we have uh in terms of this uh this kind of transfer window that technically hasn't happened yet but uh you know is about to happen but we could possibly get a jonathan gonzalez we have gotten eric lopez we have gotten jurgen dam um, yeah, you know, these guys, if they are added into our, uh, kind of starting 11, like, do you guys have any thoughts on what that maybe best 11, uh, you would like to see, uh, being trotted out there 
even without a head coach, yes, obviously that's going to be the the unknown. So we'll just kind of throw that out as the variable. But um, yeah, who wants to go first? Who has any thoughts on how they might line up? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go. First off, I'd like to see them switch to a back four. I mean, I think that'd be nice personally. Um, and for me, I think the interesting spot with the back four is that right now I had actually probably bench Escobar for Brooks Lennon at right back because I think Brooks Lennon gives you a bit more like consistency, if that makes sense, than Escobar. I think Escobar at the MLS back is turn at the MLS is back tournament looked like he was trying to get a red card and just did not sound like his head was in the right place. Obviously, a lot of the team seemed off, but he's one of those players that if he's not in the zone he can be a liability so i think you know you let them compete for that spot and i think that keeps you too deep at that right back spot which gives you options um miles robinson and meza i think should be playing in the middle and then i think that gets you to your really big question mark regardless of what else is signed and that's left back for me because i don't know who should be left back i thought castillo actually looked decent in his little cameo um that he was on the pitch and if he's as good as he looked then i'd rather him play than bellow because i still don't think bellow is ready to start in this team at the MLS level consistently. I just don't think he's there yet. Um, he needs more time. I think he needs to be subbed in and given a game every now and then, which is more than last year, but he he's going from never starting at this level to starting at this level. I just think that's too big of a jump for him right now. Um, as far as midfield goes, it really depends on, you know, if you play with a two or you play with a three. I mean, if you play with a two, I could see the idea of a four, two, three, one. Um, if you want to talk formations, which, again, isn't really necessary because as long as it's the style. Um, but I think having like a Jonathan Gonzalez and either Eric Rometty or a Emerson Hyman would be really good in midfield there. I think Rometty probably gives you a bit more defensively, a bit more structure there. And then PT, Barco, and then probably Dam for me. And then either one of Kubo Torres or Eric Lopez. And I really don't know what position Eric Lopez is going to play and whether he plays like a 10 or whether he plays an out and out striker. But I'd like, I don't know how good he is really relative to the rest either because he doesn't have a large sample size to draw from. But from everything that's being said, I think he's got a lot of potential. So I'd like to see him play and see what he can do. Yeah. Mark? Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple looks. Um, like, I think initially I would probably want to see the 4 3 3. Um, back line, I'd like to see at least to start off with is Bello, Robinson, Mesa, Escobar. Um, I do agree that Bello probably shouldn't start every game, and I think Escobar probably should be rotated with Lennon as well. But uh, in a 4 3 3, my midfield three would be assuming we get Gonzalez, Medi, and Heinemann, and then I would up top, you know, Arco and PD on the wings, and then. Torres and Lopez probably rotating at the striker position, depending on who's, you know, who's in form, you know, who's fit or whatever. Uh, another look I would like to see, basically the same the same players, but in a 4-2-3-1, uh, I would sub out Heinemann, so like Gonzalez and Rometty would be by midfield pivot, and uh, I would put Lennon on the right, PD in the middle, and Barco on the left. And so, but that's just, you know, I think either way, like four man back line, uh, I think at least two midfielders and probably a third person who can help out in the midfield will be important. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I, I, that, that would be my look. Yeah. And I, yeah, I agree with a lot with, uh, what you guys are saying. Uh, Escobar and Lennon. Yeah. Obviously, you know, there's a battle, uh, there, obviously I think Escobar is a little bit more of a defensive minded one and Lennon 
Uh, obviously a converted kind of winger, wing back, if, if he's playing a fullback position, uh, doesn't offer as much maybe going backwards in terms of the defensive actions. But uh, I think Escobar for me still is that, uh, is that guy that maybe offers the most uh, in a complete package, even if he's a little petulant at times. But uh, because of that chaos that he can bring going forward, it's just, uh, we've seen it in the playoffs. I mean, it's really, really worked and it causes uh, defenses to defenses to not know what's going on. And uh, um, yeah, I think it really works uh, a lot of times. Um, yeah, Robinson Mesa for me as the center backs, as a starting, starting pair anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying with Bello. Um, but it is, yeah, since we are kind of pretty much riding off 2020, I mean, you kind of rock it till the wheels fall off a little bit. Uh, give him time to grow. Um, you know, you, you really don't have much to lose in a sense where you have an Edgar Castillo as the backup. And then even a Jake Mulraney if you're lacking something going forward. But, uh, you know, obviously a lot of people would be a little weary of having Mulraney uh being in any sort of defensive position, uh, but I think he also is someone that I think going forward offers uh, something. But um, yeah, Gonzalez, I think he's more of that guy that uh, he's not quite Nagby, obviously. He's not uh, you know as uh, tidy in tight spaces and can get out of any sort of log jam that you have in midfield. But uh, you know he is a guy that um, I think is tidy with the ball, tidier than maybe a Rometty. And, uh, yeah, you could have that two look uh, of, you know, maybe more defensive Gonzalez and Rometty. But for me, I think it's, uh, yeah, you get that balance with uh, kind of that deep-lying playmaker that Gonzalez would be. And then you have a Heinemann who would be more apt to play the position that he kind of played last year and trying to get forward a little bit more, uh, trying to play some more combinations, especially in, I think, uh, a 4 2 3 one It kind of fits... I think the, the personnel just slightly a little bit better um, because it's been, you know, when you have uh, the three up top with uh, PT and Barco as your wingers, they kind of drift into the same spots and it's been kind of a, a large issue of why we've looked disjointed. They just, just naturally uh, kind of end up in the same spot and it's kind of, you know, maddening to see. So I think if you put maybe a, a PT with that kind of free roaming role as a 10, then you get... Uh, you know, that possibility of him being able to drift anywhere um, and that'd be a little bit better for him, maybe. Uh, and then Barco as my, my left winger. Uh, yeah, I think, damn, I think you pretty much give him the chance to win the job uh, as the starting right winger until he proves that he can't. But, uh, and then you have, you know, the likes of uh, a Lennon to possibly uh, to spell that as well as maybe PT Martinez if we're playing in a different type of formation. But uh, and then Kubo or Eric Lopez definitely as those uh, those forwards that I think offer the the style that we want to play is basically to be able to get in behind, get in on a through ball or a ball over the top uh, to run at defenses. It's just something that you know the dynamism that we've been lacking, and so uh, I think that's. All in all, where we see these players fitting in. Um, Dam also could, I think, you know, if we really wanted to fit him in somewhere, could play uh, as a, a wing back in a three-man back line. But I'm sure a lot of people are weary of three-man back lines right now. So we won't go into that really too hard. But uh, anyway, so that does it for the roster basin segment. And gets us to the mailbag. <laughs> it's a, it's one of those baseball terms. I know, guys. 
I know it's it sounds crazy, <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah you, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we uh, let's get into the mailbag where you guys send in these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so. And we might answer your question in the future. So first question comes from R Roberto seventy thirty, and he asks, "Will Eric Lopez really play for the first team right away? Like he stated, how will he fit into the team?" Kind of talked about it a little bit, but yeah, if you guys want to answer it real quick, Tanner. I think he joins the first team. Yeah. Mark. Oh, Mark. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think he joins the first team right away. You know, like he said, uh, I think he'll be training with the first team. I think he'll at the very least be competing for playing time. Um, I don't think we'd have to wait too long to see him make an appearance. Uh, you know, now can he win the job outright? I think that's up to him. Tanner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I. I agree with him on that one. I'm excited to see him. He clearly has potential. I don't know where he is in his development because, again, I've never fully seen him play outside of you know, like YouTube clips. But you know, you hope that he can do something and can compete for that job because that's why you signed him. So we'll see what happens. Yep. But I think uh, that- yes, he will be playing with the first team. Hmm. So next question comes from Joel HP. You think John should continue to play since he hasn't really had a chance to show what he can do? Uh, I mean, I think he should just continue to play, but, you know, it's in what capacity. I don't see him starting very many games from here on out uh, unless he shows something different, you know. Uh, so I think he'll still get his chances, though. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of a plan B type option. I think that's always what he was signed to be is a plan B option. If you need something later in the game, you'd be more physical, put someone on and you'd be a bit more direct or something. I think he offers you that. Um, if you're playing a faster or more attacking system, I don't see how he plays unless he's playing in a two striker system as more of a target man personally. Um, but yeah, I think he'll probably be more on the bench, but really that's in line with what he was signed with in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. And he knew that coming in that he wasn't going to be a starting option and he wasn't fighting for the starting role. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, next question comes from Josh Hertz 20 Do you think Glass will stay with a 3-4-3, or will he switch formations? We kind of talked about it in his press conference. He's going to be playing in a style we haven't seen before, so he won't be playing 3-4-3, and that's what matters. Have a nice. <laughs> <laughs> Mark? Uh, yeah, I'd be kind of surprised if he plays 3-4-3. I just don't think it fits this roster very well. Yeah, agreed. It's uh, definitely something that, um, you know, if also he tried that out there, he knows there's going to be a lot of kind of dissent against that. But um, yeah, next question comes from Keaton Thomas 61. Who do you think will make an instant impact on the team from the crop of new signings? I think the team that's or the player that's likely is to do it, assuming he comes is Jonathan Gonzalez. You know, like he's, he's certainly the highest profile one. So uh, I'd say probably him. I wouldn't, you know, I'm curious to see what Dam contributes. But, uh, yeah, for me, I'm probably most excited about uh, Gonzalez. Yeah. yeah. I, I would agree with Mark. If if Gonzalez comes, he's the guy that's clearly the most exciting because he's going to be probably the most developed out of the winter. So, well, I guess not Kubo Torres. But, um, I mean, I think if you're talking about complete upside and you don't really know what you're going to get for me it's still eric lopez because if he can turn into the player that some people think he could be that could be very very exciting for atlanta united but you know i think i still like the signing we signing players like gonzalez and torres is really good and kind of fits with what the rules will be moving forward like we talked about earlier so that's quality young players and you, and you want to get those in the team hopefully United, you know hits on both those signings yeah 
I think you meant uh, Gonzalez and Lopez, but yeah, yeah, we, we know what you meant. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lopez but uh, yeah, I, I think that's uh, the instant impact is an interesting word or a couple of words there because uh, yeah, Gonzalez, midfield player, you may not see that kind of uh, you know that immediate kind of uh, di- that dividend, maybe for lack of a better word, because yeah. You know, Nagby, how many times was he touted uh, in, you know, a post-game thing? It's just, you know, he's a guy that probably would be more of that guy that with that workman mentality that you just don't see the immediate fruits of their labor. uh, And so, you know, you see a run of games where it's just like, oh, wow. I mean, look how look how fluid we were and uh, look how fluid our attack was or something like that. But um, I think so the instant impact would probably be a little bit more if an Eric Lopez or a Kubo Torres scores, you know, uh, in a run of games, a lot of goals. Um, so if it is the case, which is the ideal scenario. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I will say though, like if, if Jonathan Gonzalez is good right away, I do think it'd be like noticeable. I mean, this may be a thing where like, like we here, right. We'll yeah. notice it because we watch like that part of the game. We appreciate midfielders and so on. And, you know, so I guess it depends on the perspective, but I think you're watching closely. You do see that impact. And, or, you know, they. it's often felt when it's not there anymore. Case in point, like Nagby leaves and look, look how different we look. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, next question comes from Luke Say. In terms of a new manager, who is your dream hire, realistic candidate, and sleeper pick? I mean, <laughs> big dream hire. <laughs> all right. Dream hire, Arsene Wenger. Um, <laughs> realistic hire, Gabriel Heinze. And what was the other one? Sleeper was the third pick. one? Sleeper pick. Uh, I don't know if I have a sleep. I guess Holon maybe would be a sleeper pick. I don't know. But dream Arsene Wenger for sure. That'd be, I'd love to see Arsene Wenger trot up in Atlanta. He'd be great. Uh, I mean, no doubt he'd be great. It's just, I'm I'm kind of done as an <laughs> Arsenal fan. I'm just, <laughs> uh, I've, I've had enough of Wenger. He's fantastic, a fantastic person, fantastic manager what i'm done <laughs> mark <laughs> all right so i think realistic is yeah i'm gonna agree with heinza or oh, no actually you know what i'll say agire um sleeper pick though i like piojo herrera like he's talked about atlanta he's talked about mls in oh, general yeah. he's played atlanta a couple of times like that could be a lot of fun uh that's kind of blurring the lines through that dream higher uh realistic because you know if we yeah. go in with a transfer fee for him at Club America, it's possible, but uh, because he has talked about the possibility of it, and uh, Herrera, it'd be Eagles. banter, it would yeah. be so much banter. Yeah, we don't even finish our Champions League tie and then <laughs> we get their manager. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, Hilarious. even in general, just like him as as the manager of Atlanta United would just be jokes. Oh, sure, yeah, you'd be, yeah, uh, the Think antics, I'm oh. sure it would be just <laughs> insane. Uh, um, here's your dream pick. Yeah, for me, yeah. Oh, man. Or, yeah, for, for Mark, yeah. So you go ahead, AJ. I'll think about it. Yeah, I mean, dream pick. This is the, the difficulty because it's just like, who's actually, you know, even around? Because in my mind, I have to think like, okay, they at least have to be available somewhat. Arson in. <laughs> Which he's busy being, you know, 
a FIFA head. So um, it's a dream. <laughs> Stop worrying about reality. Uh, <laughs> Dang. Well, uh, I know, I know. It's it's one of those annoying things. Uh, like I just clearly haven't <laughs> thought about like who my dream. actual Marcelo dream Bielsa. Hire. I don't know. Yeah, no, it, it is. I would, River Plate. I, I would love. Yeah, I would love a Marcelo Gallardo. I would love a Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, those are all, yeah, definitely the attacking style that we need. Uh, but the utmost, I just don't really think that there's someone out there that. Bielsa would be um, so much fun. I know, yeah. Bielsa would be, yeah, fantastic. But it's just, <sighs> why would he come, you know? Uh, realistic yeah. candidate, yeah. Heinze looks very attractive. Um, Almeida looks very attractive if we wanted to try to, you know, go in on him for. Uh, for maybe a transfer fee as well from earthquakes um I, I would say this like a dream hire uh it'd be weird but um you know trying to bring in jesse marsh from uh yeah Rebel, that would you know kind of match that style that i kind of want to see a little bit you know it'd be uh he's getting a bundesliga job next exactly and that's what i'm saying yeah that's, he <laughs> i would that's but, a great uh, dream hire though i like yeah. that probably yeah, that's a good that mark but yeah but he yeah. wouldn't come. It's I, I do know, like that stuff. It's he's also an ex Red Bull. I, it's just not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't care. Yep. But, but uh, sleeper yeah, he, pick. Good though. You got you got a sleeper pick, Mark. No, it was dream hire that I didn't do. Um, oh yeah. Okay. A dream, my absolute dream hire would be Xavi. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that'd be absolute dream. It just oh. wouldn't. <laughs> Wouldn't ever have it. Nope. We're not talking about I know. reality. I know. Stop it. I know. Stop but it. anyway, I know. My mind just has to be like realistic. I, I don't know. Anyway, do you like but, the Almeida shout as well. Like if, yeah. if they, you know, if there's any kind of deal that could be done, obviously within reason, mm -hmm. I think it's worth it for Atlantis at least inquire. Yeah. And that sleeper pick for me is Javier Aguirre. Yeah. I mean, he, he matches the kind of uh, man management, but I just have, I have major questions about you know what he actually like style wise tactics wise what he even wants to do he's just there to you know, get teams out of relegation or not get them out of relegation but either way um so last question comes from bryce lyc uh which players are most likely to move on with new players coming in this transfer window I don't really see too many people leaving right now, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think everyone needs to be given a decent shout by the new coach at the beginning of next season, which is why I think it'd be weird to make put to, to have players, unless it's just on loan or something. But even then, like, yeah. I'm not sure I who think that would he be. means that because, you know, there are a lack of spots on the roster. So someone has to go. And so who might have to go for you? Uh, I think for me, I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys some time to think. Um, yeah, I, think I have some ideas. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. unfortunate, but I think, you know, someone like a Lawrence Wyke, I think, uh, who just got signed uh, to a first game team contract, I think maybe it was a little bit forcibly, and uh, he might be the first casualty in terms of just, you know, not being, you know, quite at the required level. And so he would have to be. But you also you know, don't have a lot of depth back there either, which is why he was playing in the first place. It's so, true. I mean, I could see a guy like JJ Williams going because you're bringing other strikers in. Yeah, and that as well. Uh, you know, he hasn't really showed it at the uh, the MLS level as well. So if you can, you know, get him to LA United too, possibly. But I have a, a high doubt that 
you know, he'd be able to just be outrighted there. Uh, yeah, you guys have anybody else? Nobody? All right. <laughs> JJ Williams was my first shout. Yeah, I can't yeah. really think of it because it does, it does feel harsh yeah. to do it at this moment. You know what I'm saying? So, but those are the fringe uh, players, I would, I would think, most likely. Uh, maybe Castillo, but even but you don't have depth on that position. So, <laughs> yeah. right, exactly. So you keep him there. And yeah, I mean, with Wyke, like you're not going to. You're not going to let go of a Campbell, so, you know, Wyke is that guy. So, yeah, it's just for me, there aren't too many. But again, but... if it was Wyke, he has to be like a loan or something for me. I don't see Art releasing him because no. I just think that's a, a bad shake and a bad look at a time like this unless you fully know he's never going to be good enough. I think that's a bit harsh to make that call right now, just right. with no manager in place. Yeah, I mean, but it, it was kind of, uh, you know, the thing for, uh, you know, uh, Fernando, Luis Fernando, and uh, you know yeah. someone that showed uh, a good bit of promise, and then well, it's a casualty. So, um, but anyway, that does it for the mailbag, and pretty much for the entire show, except for the question of the day. And the question of the day is: Which of our rumored or new players are you most excited about seeing play? Let us know in the comments below. We're interested in seeing who you have to say. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner and Mark, for Tanner and Mark, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening.